0: guys people on today's show i'll be joined by my childhood friend erica who's going to be sharing her story of abuse addiction recovery and redemption and i do want you to know that this is mature content you know we're going to talk about a lot of deep things so if you're not 18 or older i would advise you not to listen to this show without a parent or um guardian with you and if you appear in a guardian just understand that we're going to get into some heavy uh content as her story involves a lot of things again i tried to tell you in the title but now you can sit back relax and enjoy my wife thinks i'm crazy how did we get here And I would like to welcome you to Inspire God's People, where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. I'm fresh in the studio off vacation, feeling good. And I mean fresh off vacation, like plane just touched down two hours ago. I rested for a second. And here I am talking to you because I'm dedicated to getting you this content. So shout out to everybody who listens to our shows every week. And when I say listen to shows, I mean, there are people still listening to episode one, two, three, four. Like, thank you for going all the way back. And if you don't go all the way back or you haven't gone all the way back, I promise you there is a lot of content that you don't want to miss out. Our mantra or motto here, not mantra, you know. And why am I saying our? My motto, you know, it's mostly just me. I have a couple of great guests that kind of come back again and again. Shout out people like Lavelle, Toya, Um, who've been on the show multiple times, and all of my guests like the guests I'm having today that I'm excited to talk to. But what was I saying? I'm Y'all got to understand, I'm fresh, fresh off vacation. So my mind is still in Washington, D.C. somewhere, um, taking in all the culture, the history, um, checked out the new African-American Smithsonian Museum, uh, found out where the the history of Smithsonian himself was. What was his name? Smithson? Smith? Anyway, you get, I think it was Smithson was his last name. Dude, you know, left half a million dollars, wanted it to go towards educating people. And there you have it, this prestigious brand that, you know, I didn't know Smithsonian was from an actual person. Anyway, that's just one of the thousand things that I learned this week um, as I was touring D.C. and checking out things with the wife. Uh, We had an amazing time. Thank God for safe travels. And um, here I am. You know what I'm saying? So shout out to everybody who goes back and listen, and uh, hopefully um, you will find some great content. I think I said that already. But anyway, for those of you who want to join our text community that is slowly but surely growing, you know what I'm saying? We're a small community right now, but I love and appreciate the people who are connected via text, and I'm going to continue to get better with the way that we share and present the content to you. But here's what you can do. Text this number. Here's the number 833-946-2518. Here's all you got to do is text this be inspired. And I want you to know it's all together as one word. So B-E inspired, I-N-S-P-I-R-E-D, no spaces, just be inspired. If you text it to this number 833-946-2518, then you will be joining our text community where I reach out to you about. What I do that? I don't know. All right man, I'm really really going to get straight to the point on this one uh because this is a that I don't know. All right man, I'm really really going to get straight to the point on this one uh because this is a two no. All right man, I'm really really going to get straight to the point on this one uh because this is a two part interview. a two part interview. So we're going to release um you know, today, for those of you listening in real time, this is Friday. And uh, we typically release shows on Wednesday. But I just told you I was on vacation. Leave me alone. Um, Yeah. And then I think maybe Wednesday we'll drop part two or maybe Saturday, Sunday. I don't know. That's why you got to be subscribed to the show. If you're not already subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we're also available on Amazon Audible. So the same place where you listen to your audiobooks, you can listen to this podcast for free. Just search Inspire Guys People on any of those sites. And if you just get confused, all you can do, Google. You Google everything. You Google everything. We Google everything, right? Why not Google Inspire Guys People and just see what comes up? It's actually kind of dope on Google because if you Google this podcast, You can listen to the podcast direct from your Google search. It's set up real dope. So yeah, it's a million ways to subscribe or listen. So, you know, we're going to be dropping shows on a lot more off days. Now, I want y'all to get used to that, that it might be on a Wednesday. I'm going to try to keep Wednesday as my primary day because I know that's when people are expecting something and make the other days incremental, like more. You know what I'm saying? The goal is to give you more content. Not to kind of move it around or be inconsistent. So don't take it like that. This week I was on vacation. Have a little faith in me. Have a little mercy too. You know, sometimes your boy gets busy. I'm working in business. I'm. It's just me. <laughs> Come on, y'all know this by now. We don't have to front. It's just me. I'm pushing all the buttons. Record, edit, mix, master. I'm doing it all, people. And I'm doing it because I love you. Let's waste no more time. Let's get into part one. Let me interview you. Here's what we gon' do:
1: you gon' talk to me, and I'm gonna talk to you. Maybe on the phone,
0: or possibly in person. Either way, it goes. We gon' be talking purpose. Gosh, people, what up, man? Oh my goodness, this is probably one of my um, most anticipated personal interviews um, that I've had on the show to date. Um, I'm bringing in my childhood friend, Erica. What is up? How you doing? Good to hear from you today. What's up?
1: Oh, nothing. Doing good. I'm doing great. And I'm so happy to be here. I'm so glad you invited me.
0: Erica Van Austin. Did I say the last name right?
1: Van Austin, yes.
0: Van Austin. See what I'm saying? That's what, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, that wasn't always your name, but it's all good. No, no. Um, <laughs> well look man erica y'all for you know i know y'all probably don't know for the listeners out there erica is a childhood friend of mine we literally grew up one house away from each other it was my house another house and then her house and yes. I mean, that was from the ages i lived over there from the ages of four to 18 so um we were there mostly our whole lives went to elementary school together had classes together all those good things so Eric, I typically start off and ask people like who they were. And so even though I know who you were, you know what I'm saying? If you can maybe like tell the audience a little bit, like, you know, who were you, you know, whether it be growing up, you know, wherever you want to start as early as you want to start in your life. And then maybe, you know, get them a little information about our background and who we were growing up. What do you know about me? I'm sure people <laughs> would, uh, love to know some uh, inside scoops on that. So,
1: Yes. Yeah, so I. I am just gonna start, you know, early on. Um, The first word that comes to mind about me is nerd. You know, um, I was, but I wasn't so nerdy. I wasn't so popular. I was just, I like, I was like a chameleon. I kind of fit in wherever, you know? Um, And when you hear my story, you are probably gonna be like, what? She was a nerd, but you know, I had a very good beginning. I had two parents who were married, who were loving. I had a loving household. Um, We never went without. Beautiful block. You know, um, all of us got along. We were a big community on that block, so that was real good. And with Jermaine, it, it was, uh, what, I, what it most stands out about his family is just the love that they have for one another and for everybody else. Um, his mom is one of my all-time favorite people still to this day. She is beautiful inside and out. And just a quick funny tip about Jermaine. So he is still to this date the only person that even at an early age, I have never heard him use a curse word. I have never heard of curse, and he used to always make jokes. He was the biggest jokester and he was just a fun person, but he did not fit. He did not have to fit um, in with everybody else. He was not scared to be who he was. And I always admired that about him because something with me was, I was always so insecure with who I was that I constantly tried to fit in. And, just haven't told you that that leads into you
0: know my eventual story man that, you know what that's so funny it's <laughs> it's funny to hear because obviously that's not i ne- that's something we never talked about i never asked like what you thought of me or what you know never told you what i thought of you uh so that's right. cool like um the, the whole idea i think would stand out about what you said about me is like you know being comfortable to be myself it's weird to think back on because i think when i was younger. Like, I ain't even really understand that that was what was happening. I just never really fit in, but I was never really, like, afraid to, like, let people know, like, oh, no, I think this should be like this, maybe too opinionated at times. But you were definitely, see, I wouldn't even say nerd. I just, like, I looked at you as, like, so smart, but yet still cool. And it was almost, like, crazy to me that a normal, like, you When I say normal, like, cause usually you think of nerds as somebody who kind of like off doing their own thing and they're not friends with everybody else. You were literally the first person I knew that in my eyes was a normal person and got straight A's. Like okay. I was amazed. <laughs> like we would get our report cards and I'm like, how are you getting straight <laughs> A's? Like, uh, so that, so that's dope. Thanks for what you said about my mom and my family. Definitely love your family too. Um, I mean, to this day, like, again, you know, there has been a couple times in the last few years, it's been a, a few years now since I've been on the block, but anytime I would drive on the block, I would definitely make sure I knock on y'all door, ring the doorbell. Your mom has let me in. It's been times you wasn't even there and I just talked to your mom. Um, so I love them, love your dad. I wanted to be like your big brother when I was younger. You know, yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm sure I got on his nerves, but he used to let me like go bike riding with him. He was older than me. Um, absolutely and this is the last thing I'll say about y'all um yeah and this is gonna be funny but y'all are the first people in my entire life that I've ever known to have central air like we didn't have air in our house so like I remember one day it was hot outside and I came in the house with y'all and it had to be one of maybe the first times I came in y'all house and I was legit trying to figure out how is it this cold in this house like how are oh, they that doing is that? great! So, yeah, it was like my first experience with Central Air in a residential property was y'all house. So
1: oh, I cannot wait to tell my parents that <laughs> that is great. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and you had all like the um the posters on your you know, on your wall from head to floor. I mean uh from
1: Oh, floor, immature, immature. Immature. Oh my goodness, I can't believe you remembered yeah. that. I'm like, why
0: do you I remember looking like man, what are you doing? But yeah, just like every every teenage girl, including my wife. My wife had them all over her walls. Yes. Well I don't know if she had them all over the, her walls, but she was definitely in love with them. Uh, but you know
1: what? I wanna I and you you gonna find this about me from a because cli- sometimes I come from a clinical point of view. Okay. Because of my assessment of my life. But though those pictures on the wall, how I went and covered every part of my wall, that shows how an obsessive personality can we can we can notice that in our children early on if we know what to look for.
0: I love that. All right. See, this is like you are right. Like, man, that is dope. Like, so you like that lets me know, like, and of course I don't have kids and you do, like, and your son's born on my birthday, which I always thought was super dope. Yes. <laughs> um, but like I think that's important. Like so parents should be paying attention to their kids at a at probably a much earlier age than they think. Um to, to kind of catch on to those traits. But let me let you get back into, you know, kind of a little bit about your story. So like, you know, you can unpack whatever you wanna whatever you want to share. You know, you go from being what you call a nerd what I viewed as this very smart um, young lady who was getting straight A's and, you know, so kind of share with us a little bit more about your life. And then I definitely want to touch into that clinical um, background and and how you kind of assess some of the things that you've been through.
1: Yes. So, um, you know, I I, kind of, you know, we, I'm glad we started that talk because, you know, everybody kind of got an idea about the early beginnings and where I want to start with, is um, I went from middle school to high school and like so many young adolescents, it was such a dramatic change because in high school, and I went to Martin Luther King, and what was crazy, what really stands out to me were the polo girls, okay? they All of them wore polo outfits. Yep. and. I idolized them, but not just that though, they actually were smart. I'm not going to take that away from them. It wasn't like that's all they cared about. They were going to school. They weren't the skippers. They were they were doing their thing, but I idolized that, right? And I kind of wanted to hang with that, but I didn't quite fit in because, you know, my polo was like bought at um, Paco's house. So, you know, it was, it was one of those things where it was like instead of identifying identifying the academic part, all I could focus on was the look. So that right there was really the start. It was just those type of things were the start of life. My whole, my whole, um, individuality and everything just kind of slipped away. And I was trying to find where I fit in. Okay, so I don't fit in with the polo girls. And then King's curriculum, I was in the MSAT program, Mass Science Technology. Anybody that know about that, I'm gonna tell you right now, I had like 50 algebra classes. You know, I could yeah. not keep up. I could not keep up. And what was crazy was those A's, that's those straight A's that I got, started to turn into straight C's. And the parents that I had did not play that. So while I was beating myself down, I was getting beat, down, not physically, but emotionally by my parents because my grades were failing. And they weren't realizing that I became part of this program that I was not ready for because for those who were born in the 80s who went to school, and I'm sure you can remember this, Jermaine, in middle school, a lot of us were socially promoted because we went to school in middle school when all the teachers was going on strike. We had pretty much a whole year of getting A's as long as you showed up. But we were not learning the content, but here you are, here you go, throw me into King in this curriculum where I'm being held accountable. And it was, it was all too much. But what I did was I found a crowd that I fit in with. I fit in with the skippers and what the skippers did when they skipped was smoke weed and it's just as simple as that and it was as easy as that when I tell you I fit in I fit in beautifully because I now know you don't need credentials to fit in with that crowd all you have to do is have the willingness and I had all of the willingness I felt love just like some people feel when they go to gangs it's you feel the love be it right or wrong it's that unconditional love as long as I skip as long as I smoke weed I am going to be accepted into this community so What happened was I um, started skipping school and I started. So, of course, my grades felt even worse. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. My mom, I, I was skipping school and I came back. somebody said your mom looking for you. And my mom is a hundred pound soaker where she teeny tiny smallest person <laughs> in the world and I am terrified of that woman still to this day. Right. So my my thought after, after all of this turmoil throughout the year, by this time, I believe it was like 10th grade after all the turmoil, I, it wasn't so much that I was scared of my mama. I was tired. Plus, with all the marijuana use my as such your early age, when my mind wasn't developed, my mind was being altered, and I didn't even know it. So what happened was, is when they tell my mom was up there, my first thought in my mind was, "Don't go back to school." And if you don't go back to school to get a ride home, how you go get home? So then I thought, "Well, just run away," because that made sense to me at that time. That impulsiveness, it made sense to me. And do you know that night? I spent the night in the cemetery across the street where Cone was buried. Wow. And I can honestly say that that was one of the most peaceful nights that I had in a long time. Because, and I, you know, it's a lot of detail in between that. And maybe we can do another um, thing about the mental health side of it. I don't want to focus yeah. too much on that. But I, I've, I felt so at peace. And... <clears throat> Remember, I was part of a community that encouraged my negative bad behavior. So I was part of a community that helped me with whatever I needed in the streets. Now my parents put me on a missing persons list. So finally they called me. I'll never forget I seen my dad pull up and and I was walking down by the kinghomes and I, you know, I see pain in his eyes. And my dad's a strong, strong black man. Like he's not, and I'm not saying crying is weak, but I'm just saying he's a very strong man. Yeah, so to see him, to see him broken down, that it did something to me, but it was like, okay, whatever, I'm caught. And what happened from there was, um, there was a cycle. There began to be a cycle of me running away for a little periods of time. My parents became numb in dealing with me. So I stopped going to Cain. And um, what happened was, i anybody that has heard of human trafficking okay so human trafficking is not always what you see on tv it's not always being chained up it's not always being you know not being allowed to go on with different things there's a lot of forms of it okay i would encourage anybody to look up the definition of human trafficking because it's it's very broad but it's very important to understand what it is because our daughters and our sons can right now be being preyed on by teachers, by people, by people that are um that are that we put in place to take care of our children. Okay, so what happened was I told you I was on the Miss Person list, on the person, list and they all find me. Okay, so The last time that I was put on the missing persons list, even though my mom went to take me to the to the police station to say, you know, like, okay, we found her, you could take her off, I was already taken off the missing persons list. So
0: how?
1: So exactly. So how does that happen? Because there was a group of Detroit police officers in 1999 that were part of a human trafficking ring that were taking missing girls off the missing persons. They were taking them, they were making them look like they were found. So that when officers came in and looked at their assignments for the day, they would say, oh, okay, Erica was found. So we don't have to look for her. Mm -hmm. And then they were finding us and they were selling us to, um, it was some different gangs. One in particular I know about is the Eastside Bankers, whatever. But those were the things, you know, those were the type of things that happened. But so I, I very dearly, you know, by the grace of God, I, found, I very dearly um, missed that path. But no, I didn't. I thought I did. But what happened was through all of that, um, so there was somebody that was hanging around that started hanging out of nowhere he just started hanging at the corner house um on our block he just started hanging there at a at a house at a house that um a lot of people cycled through it was one of those rental homes that you know it was a lot of different people and he was just yeah, he was just hanging there. And I was at um my, my one of my good friends' house, like I always was. And he was there. He was older. But he made, when I tell you, he made me feel like the most beautiful princess ever in the world. He just had a way about him that made me feel he was very gentle. and He was very slow in approaching me. And he almost had a little shyness about him, even with his age. And that was intriguing to me being young because I liked older guys, but I didn't like the forwardness of older guys. And he, it's, he, it's like. he knew that so he courted me or whatever and that eventually you know without getting the details i you know um i got into a relationship with him and started doing things that um that i would never do and that really altered
0: i'm sorry go ahead finish that thought
1: no but that really altered me and yes that is my son's father okay no i wasn't Um,
0: even gonna ask that i was i was trying to figure out your age at that time because What's interesting hearing all this, right? And I think I just want to like let paint this picture for the listeners. All of this is happening while we live one house away from each other. Yes.
1: So, yes. It was about it was about 15.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I'm thinking like that's what I remember. Like, and so it's crazy hearing this because me and you never had these conversations. Right. I don't know how much you remember about me during that time. But Mm -hmm. I was really protective of y'all, like of all the girls on the block because we grew up together as kids. And so I don't know if you remember, like, I remember when you first started smoking and um, I kind of confronted you about it. Yeah. And um, it was just kind of like, I remember I kind of had to accept that that's what you were doing. But I loved y'all. Like, I genuinely loved y'all. And I remember, um, you know, you were 15 and this guy was 19. And I remember, like, when you first started kind of like that cycle what I didn't know was all of the other things that were maybe attached to it but obviously too we also went to king together like I was mm-hmm. in MSAT that first year too and I did not you graduate know? in MSAT I did graduate from king but um that that MSAT program was shout out to everybody I know who graduated from that Absolutely that literally felt like year 3 of college you know for people yeah. coming from where we came from um but it's just amazing to me to kind of hear some of the detail behind things that I saw happening, you know, from my perspective, and but not really knowing, you know, I I knew, but I didn't really know. Um, so it's just really interesting to hear. So I just wanted to share that so people can understand like right. all of this is happening while we're growing up together, while you know we're friends and um, you know, so yeah, you can you could keep going, but I, I thought that was. And you
1: know, I wanted to make a slight correction. So you said fifteen. And he was nineteen. Actually, he was twenty-five. He oh, looked young for he lied about his right. He was 25. Wow. He's he's um, actually 10 years older than me.
0: Okay, got you.
1: Yes, and like I, and that, that's all about the prey. That's all about the predator. Appear just old enough that you are um, not that appear just old enough that you, um, you will intrigue a young girl, but don't appear too old where it's obviously inappropriate. See, this is all the makings of a pimp.
0: Wow, yeah, he did not look that old. I re- I remember, oh, remember all that. I he I still does it. He still doesn't yeah. look as...
1: Okay. he t- Yeah. It had like three, four colors.
0: I, d- I don't remember the color. I just remember the car. But it, yep. I, I remember something in like a... Um, I actually remember a truck. So if I'm, if I'm remembering the wrong thing... He, you like, know what? He
1: had different... He had all different cars. Okay, all right, yeah. He I had know. all different... But, um, so the thing of it is, is though, like when I got pregnant from Malik, so he, he just left me alone. He let me, you know, he, but in the midst of all of that, that's where I was introduced into the hard drugs. Okay. Okay. And the way that it happened was, you know, I had so much emotional pain from early on doing things that some women who are very grown have not done, and also being treated um, like I was like I was only good for one thing, and actually not just being treated like that, but being convinced that that's what it was. And um, what happened was so in 1999. My son. I'm moving the story along a little bit because by this time I'm 16. I just turned 17. I had my son in 1999. Okay. The thing of it is, is um my son came out looking just like him. And you know to let everybody know because everybody think that it's automatic maternal instincts that you close to your kids. I had no connection with my child. I had no connection with him. Thank God I had my mom and my dad. You know when I delivered him because. Um, pretty much I was promiscuous. I had no prenatal care when I delivered him. Um there was nobody really in the room with me. They treated me very badly. My mom was too disgusted to even be in the room. She was she smoked cigarettes. She chain smoked outside. She didn't know what else to do because first one minute she found out I was pregnant, and the next day it's like, oh, she's going into labor. And it, it was just it was just a whole it was it was just a whole mess. And I remember one of my most traumatic moments was being in that hospital room delivering my son, pretty much by myself. A student doctor had delivered him because no other doctor wanted to touch him because I had no prenatal care and uh, the bedside manner was horrible. So when I delivered him and they put him in my arms, it was just me in that room. So that was one of the first, um, even, even you know, my friends, like, and, and I now understand, you know, I can't blame them because they was all young. It's like, you want to say, well, where was my friends at? Um, they could barely get around to school, right. but here, you know, yeah. so you can't, but as a kid, you think of where was, where was everybody at? Yeah. It's like, you know so it was it was very it was very traumatizing for me well in 1999 he went to prison uh for for criminal sexual misconduct between the age, ages of 13 and 15 with sodomy on both cases he finally went down um and his latest re- in 1999, they, the latest release date they gave him was 2021. And anybody that don't understand about sex offenses, you get more time in prison for selling weed than you do for messing with an underage child. So for him to get all them years up to 2021, you could tell he was very bad. Um, ha, so having said that, now, like I said, I was introduced to the hairdressers, but I really, I dabbled and dabbled. I do not like to say functional user. I do not like to use that term, but I did work. I worked. I developed a relationship with my son. I did. I forced myself to, and eventually it came natural. because anybody did know my son, he's the coolest cat ever. He's the coolest guy. He'd been like that since he was little. They, they even joke about it. Now I call him my dad. Homeboy is my financial advisor, everything. He's <laughs> my life coach. You know, that's my boy, me and him. Me and him have more of. A brother and sister relationship son, so he absolutely gives me much respect, especially with my journey and how I overcame it but um moving on a little bit though so like i said i'm working i've always worked at outreach work usually i work with i usually i worked with the male um returning the men returning from prison back into society I worked at halfway houses i ran a second chance program i mean i had I had good jobs, so what I did was, though, in 2004, and I want to say this, and I don't want, I guess I don't want to get too religious, like, you know, I hope that that don't turn people off, but...
0: No, you're good. That's what we do here. So, so what,
1: yeah. okay, okay, so what I did was, in 2004, a good friend of mine and her two guy kids were murdered. And I made the mistake of not only getting mad at God, but taking him out of my life. Wow. I completely took him out of my life. I was done. Well, I now know when you take God out your life, the devil has all the room to come in. And that's just what happened. Okay. So what he did, what, what happened was, in 2004, that happened and I was grieving. Next thing, you know, I start getting letters from prison. I never, I got them before, but I never answered them. What was different this time? Up. Uh, you know, God was all my life, the devil was in, he was tempting me, and what I do, I open that letter, and I fail for them pimp words, I fail for that kindness, I mean, and I wish people could understand how, how soothing it was, still to this day sometimes, even through all the madness, I still sometimes will sit back and remember how soothing his words could be, you know, and he convinced me to move to Hastings, Michigan, which anybody that don't know Hastings, Michigan, population African-American when we was there was was two and a half, me, my son, and the little mixed girl. Okay, so that's where a lot of um, Clueless family went to retire in that area, by Grand Rapids. So, but check this out, so he was in prison. He had befriended a corrections officer and he got her, she had 140-acre farm, and she signed over half of to him. And he, in essence, turned into like a mini call. But he had got in my head, my son was like four at the time. He's like, I want you and my son to move there. Y'all go have this, da, da, but you can't let nobody know where you at. So, again, even though my parents were so good to help me with my son and they did everything, I just pulled my son from them. And I just left and didn't and didn't let them know where I was going. They were heartbroken. Actually, my mom said, Word, you know, don't come back to Detroit like they, you know, she she was throwing out threats like she put a head out on, you know, whatever. She was <laughs> mad. She was hurt. <laughs> right, but, right. But um, I went there and I'll never forget the first day I went there and I walked in the house. Do you know there was a life-size portrait? Not picture. The difference between a picture and a portrait, the portrait is actually hand-painted. There was a life-size portrait in every room of him okay wow. we were we were meant to worship him we were required to send five letters a day to him okay and if we did not do he had we he had a a, a cadillac sts he had a expedition excursion he had all of these very fine cars with real sounds and everything we were not allowed to drive okay we had to take a picture every day of the mileage to make sure he wasn't driving and we had beat up cars and trucks to drive our dailies we were required to wear certain things i was required to i was i was i was groomed on how to act how to behave my son told me one day after about a year first of all he missed he missed his grandma he didn't he didn't understand what was going on and my anger was so strong because i was angry i didn't know but um, and I started to abuse him. You know, I crossed that line of of, of discipline. I yeah. did. I crossed that line, and um, it it went on. And you know, through all of that, my son was so strong. And finally, he told me one day. He said, "My my dad's just gonna kill us." And he was. Wow. And it's almost like he told me this, like he he had made peace with it. Like he, you know, he had just made. Mind you, we was out there, and I did have to work. I constantly was having to send him to these babysitters who were who were. um, racist. And what was crazy was there was times that my son, when I would pick him up, all the other kids would be playing and my son would be in the basement watching TV. And I tell him, why are you not with the other kids? She told me I can't come out. These are the type of things that I subjected myself. It's just all madness. Okay. Wow, Meanwhile, who was,
0: who was running? So he, he had the house running from prison, through right? The connection with, so the, the correctional officer was running the day to day of the house.
1: Yes, it was her. She by this time she left the corrections. She left corrections. It was her house. So she was she was a, she was a mar- retired marine. Well, so she wasn't nothing to be best with. Wow. Yeah. And um, and what was crazy? What was crazy was is that um, in, in you know, with being out there, what kind of kept me kept me there was you know I did start I, I started dabbling in heavy drugs back and forth. It was just it was it was always readily available, and um. But moving the story along who, either
0: way. Who, real quick, who were cause what I'm wondering too is like, um the other girls were they were like were there a lot of other girls there? You said, you know, there were pictures of him in every room and were these girls that he had messed with the same way as like you, like younger girls, like I'm just curious, like, you know, how okay. did he get everybody there? Was it the same method?
1: So I was the only slow mo that took the bait fully. Every there were visitors, there were people that stayed for the weekend, okay. but nobody quite because there was no there was no physical restraints. You have to say. Got it. Okay, so no, there was in the end. It was just me and her, the lady that ran the house. We had when I tell you. It was it, how how can you have so much beauty in such a horrible situation? We had five horses. We actually, I mean, the horses, I would go to the kitchen and the horses be at the window because we it was 148 acres. We lived on about five acres, the rest was woods. So and a horse, it, it, the hay field was right next to the house. It was just, it was the most under any other circumstance, it was the most beautiful thing that a city girl could experience. I mean, I cleaned up after five horses every morning going out there putting my rubber boots on. I mean, it was an amazing experience. It was just, it was just so, such a horrible situation that I couldn't fully enjoy what was in front of me. Um, And like I said, moving forward to all of this, so we're doing this. And I'm, and, and he gets eight visits. Oh, he got eight visits a month. We was required, me and my son were required to go to our eight visits. And that's part of where the abuse came because my son would cry all the way to Jackson. He would cry. And he, and that, Oh my goodness i would be like and i would just pull the car over and just be him until he shut up because it was it was driving me crazy and this went on for a while until finally it was like i I, you know what his you know his mistake was he started letting me work at this one factory even though i was instructed when i worked there that i'm not to talk to nobody that i'm gonna keep my head down do my job and go home and that's what i did for a while but this is how God works. This is how God works. Because even though I hadn't brought him back in my life, he was still there. Yeah. And I feel like he just had to let me go through what I went through to really know when his grace was coming back into my life. So what happened was I was at work on a smoke break and this lady came up to me this, old, this white lady came up to me. She said, what is your problem? I said, what do you mean what's my problem? She said, look, you work your butt off she said you'll be here everyday on time she said why you don't talk to none of us what you racist mind you I'm the only black person she asking me mm-hmm. as I'm racist <laughs> but that got me to open up and it got me to laugh and something in my spirit told me to tell her my story and she instantly looked at me and she started crying and she said you coming home with me you go get your son and y'all come home with me
0: Guys, people, that concludes part one of abuse, addiction, recovery, redemption. So as you see, part one was a lot of the story of the abuse and the addiction. Please do come back for part two where we talk about the recovery and the redemption. Uh, The recovery, redemption. Uh, These are the things I should mention. Everybody want to judge you a book of a cover. You know that God loves us. Uh and you know that he is with you never gonna quit you you know misfit you uh you fit for the cause of the gospel you the one you the call you the chosen my bad i'm always randomly freestyling but i do want to say this before we go man like uh, i don't know how this like i know we just halfway through the story you know what i'm saying it's so much more left that erica has to share But I just want to say, like, for anybody, especially who's listening to this in real time, there's so much going on in the world today. And the enemy, man, like, the devil is the same. And sometimes we don't, like, think about the fact that he been the devil. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was the devil with our grandparents, our parents, and, like, yo, your bloodline before you. He, He understands how to get a hold of your bloodline. He understands how to get you to stumble and to fall. And we all fall sometimes. But I just want to say, man, I am so inspired to unite by faith with the believers of Christ Jesus. In the midst of everything that's going on in the world, we finding new ways to discriminate, new ways to hate. I just want to inspire you today to find new ways To preach the gospel, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. Cause as you see, it don't always happen in the four walls of the church, man. Like that's not the only place you got to preach. Uh, not the only people Gotta reach uh, Alright, I'ma let it go, man Come back for part two Subscribe to the show And you'll get an alert To your phone Or go to InspireGuysPeople.com And sign up for our emails And I send out the episodes And the links Directly through email God bless y'all Love y'all Check out my music J-Will Music That's J-W-I-L Music All one word Apple Music And Spotify uh, And Spotify Yeah uh, I gotta go, man I love this track This song is called Dream Traveler If you haven't heard my music Dream Traveler by J. Will music featuring Chantel Hampton, produced by Darrell
1: Red Campbell Jr. Campbell Jr.